the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Mary, the little girl, teenage girl from Nazareth, that nobody liked, didn't seem to be worth much, surrendered her life to God, and she became the most important mighty mama for God the world has ever known. That is Pastor Mike Loxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You're most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. Today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the conclusion to a message we started the last time we were together entitled Mighty Mama. We hope you enjoy it. Remember, you can find it and many more messages online at reachingyourheart.com. Let's get underway with the conclusion to Mighty Mama. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Christians of the first century would visit the trash heaps of the Roman Empire. They would collect the little babies discarded by the secular-minded Romans, the little girls mainly, or the ones with defects. They would raise them in the church for the glory of God because in the eyes of those early Christians, every child is beautiful to God. So at the heart of the issue of abortion is the profound question. It's not really being asked out there in our secular world, but the church should ask it. Is a child beautiful to God? Is it? Now, it's easy to get out of this. Well, they're not a child or they're born. Nonsense. The Bible calls them children before they're born. The Holy Spirit hovers in the womb. It's likened into a temple of God in Scripture. If the answer is yes to this question, then no one has a right to take the life of that child away from God, probably except for the life of the mother, because life is valued against life in Scripture. And so you know, when someone says, well, I had a bad day, I don't want to have my child, well, they don't realize their child is beautiful to God. Would that they were beautiful in the eyes of that dear person. Do you realize that 62 million children have been murdered in this country since the beginning of Roe v. Wade? And most of them are African-American children. It is a racial holocaust that has occurred in our country. Racism and greed and evil philosophies have devalued the lives of these beautiful and precious children. Einsteins, Mother Teresa's, who knows what would have been born to this planet had these children been viewed as beautiful and had the church and others rallied to help them live. Evil men and women with evil agendas have convinced a troubled mother here or there. That adds up to about 60 million mothers in our country that their children are not beautiful to them or to God or to our society enough to let them live. When the church comes to believe such a horrible thing, and it's possible, when parents come to believe such a horrible thing, it happens. Then you do what Pharaoh did. You throw them to the crocodiles on the altars of Moloch and Baal. The horrific deaths that these children... You know, I was just watching on YouTube 
a woman testifying before Congress a few years who was a baby who survived an abortion. And she had been scalded and all this stuff. And she later met her mother. And she recounts how that meeting meant so much in her life to bring them back together. Life matters. Every child is beautiful to God. A mighty mama for God will live and strive like Jacob to save every one of her children because she knows deep inside that her son or daughter is beautiful to God. And those who have been on the wrong side of this will learn to grow. God will forgive and heal and keep you. A good church will support you as you move into a new future where God is in your life. God's not in the condemning business. God's in the saving business. Jacob's name in Hebrew means the Lord is glory, and it carries the idea of fertility. In the light of God's glory, dear heart, the little slave woman came to see that God gave her a beautiful child in spite of Pharaoh, in spite of his evil narcissistic kingdom's love of murder, and in spite of his evil decree that would kill her beautiful child. This is my beautiful child. She put Moses in a basket, which was an ark. In fact, look at the Hebrew word for the basket. It's the word ark. It's the same word used for the Ark of the Covenant, where the law of God was put in. Think about that. The lawgiver was in an ark who would put the law of God in the ark. And it's also the word used for Noah's ark, the new deliverer from the new flood. He was on the Nile. He came off, and thus he delivers God's people like Noah. God worked it out so Jacob could nurse and train Moses as Pharaoh's daughter found her, adopted her. By God's providence, his mother came into the mix. He was, she was able to have an influence on Moses as he was being prepped for Pharaoh's future. The man who placed the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant was saved in an ark on the Nile River, a basket. Every precious child is meant to be a sacred treasure in the Ark of the Covenant of God. Number two, the second mighty mama I would like to consider this morning is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Do you know who she is? You scratch your head. Well, maybe. Some of you do. Others don't. Now, Jael is a live wire kind of woman. She lived during the days of Deborah and Barak, which is the time of the judges, when every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now, God used Deborah as a prophetess and warrior for God to defeat King Jabin of Canaan and his mighty army led by Sisera. We know of Deborah, but Jael is kind of like the second act in the play. In Judges 5-7, Deborah is praised as a mother in Israel. And I like that term, a mother in Israel. How many of you are a mother in Israel on Mother's Day? Come on. Yeah, that's a cool thing. Jabin had 900 chariots, and he persecuted God's people for 20 years with these 900 chariots. Through Deborah's courage and Barak's army, he was afraid. He said, I'm not going to go into battle unless Deborah goes. Well, Deborah will get the credit. Deborah got the credit. Barak means lightning. He was no kind of lightning without Deborah at his side. And so this woman led the way. The war was won. God routed King Jabin's army with all those 900 chariots. And Sisera, his murderous general, like a crybaby, began to flee for his life from a mother in Israel with a divine mean streak in her to save all the children of Israel. Amazing thing. Now the story transitions from Deborah and Barak to Jael, another mother in Israel, who got the job done practically. And I'm serious. Her name in Hebrew means practical. Judges 4, 17, and 18. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael. Bad move, Sisera. The wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin the king of Hadzer and the house of Heber the Kenite. Now look at verse 18. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, to turn aside to me. Have no fear. So he turned aside to her into the tent 
and she covered him with a rug. Now, I would say beware of anyone who invites you into a tent and wants to cover you with a rug. But that's what happened, okay? Hiding under the rug, nothing dramatic about him. Interesting what she's doing. Now, Sisera, the mass murderer of, the can- of Canaan, was tired. So he asked Jael for a drink in her tent. She opened up a skin and gave him some milk. He wanted water. She gave him the milk of human kindness. And he fell asleep like a little psychopathic baby snoring away. Now, Sisera commanded Jael to guard the door of her tent so he could sleep and get some rest to resume his murderous life for another day with renewed energy to kill more Israelite children and others, right? So she guarded her tent all right, but not for him. As he went to sleep, Jael, this mighty mama for God, did not let evil in her tent stay alive long or to take advantage of her kindness, to inflict harm on her family, her children, her husband, her God's people. Jael's name in Hebrew means a mountain goat. Imagine calling your daughter a mountain goat. Hey, this one looks kind of funny. Let's call a little girl mountain goat. Having to carry that through life. Now, the Hebrew word mountain goat that's used here comes from a verb that means to be practical. I guess if you stick with it, you're like a goat. You know, you're just going to keep, you know, being persistent. Jael was a practical person. Her name defines her character. Who did what she needed to do to save her family for her husband and all. She was a mighty mama for God. So what would she do? Look at verse 21, chapter 4. Judges. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg, took a hammer in her hand, and went softly to him, you know, tiptoe, 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 and drove the tent peg into his temple. Till it went down to the ground as he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. Job done. Now, no fanfare with Jael and no grandstanding either, as she took swift action to end the danger in her house, in her tent. Softly and quietly, Jael was practical for God as she did what was needed to save her family and her people. Now look at verse 22. And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man you are seeking. Again, not dramatic here, practical. So he went to her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with a tent peg in his temple. Now, Jael is forever famous in Scripture as a mighty mama for God because she would not let an evil man have his way in her tent. You hear me? Would that mothers today would do the same with the TV, the influences of the world, with non-Christian literature that corrupts and the like, that they would say, my tent is for God. I will not allow a murderous influence to take my children away from God. Holy mama, mighty mama. There's a need for Christian women today to take the tent peg in their hand and clean out the house so no evil influence will have its way in their home. That's what a mighty mama for God does when she is practical in the cause of God and for her family. It's okay to have a few horns. If you use them right for God's glory, get busy, ladies. Clean the house out. Number three. The third mighty mama for God I would like to consider this morning is Hannah. How many of you like the story of Hannah? Usually on Mother's Day we go to the story of Hannah. Hannah's name in Hebrew means grace. Hannah is the feminine word for chain, grace. She is mother grace in the Bible and the mother of Samuel. In the time of the judges, because her husband had two wives, Hannah had a rival who was named Penina. Penina had all the children of the family and she had none for herself, so she's the object of disdain and discord. Elkanah loved his other wife, Hannah, but Hannah could not have children. And her rival, Penina, mocked her day and night, made her life miserable on earth because she was the fruitful one Hannah was not. 
Now, Hannah's heart was broken because she cannot be a mother in Israel. She wanted to be like Deborah, a mother in Israel. She wanted to be a mother to make a difference in a child's life and to pour her whole being into a baby's future. So Hannah carried her grief to God at the sanctuary in Shiloh. You know, there are women who can never have children in this world. It's just a fact. And they come to Mother's Day events like this, and it's an awful day for them. They hear all these people talking about how good their mama was, and they just wish that they could have been a mother. Now let me tell you something right now. If you're in the church, and your influence is felt in the lives of others in the church for the cause of God, children that you have interacted with in the church, dear heart, you are a mother in Israel. The woman who won me to Christ won me to the church, never had a child. When I was at Fletcher Academy after my father died, she took me out to work in her garden. And there she made a deal with me. She says, look, my husband and I have never been able to have children. I'm in my 70s. I've retired from Broadview Academy. I was the administrator there, and he was the science teacher. He's a world-class photographer and all that, but we're just people here. But God's put it on my heart to adopt you. Not legally, but between you, me, and God. What do you say? I couldn't believe it. I mean, my mother was struggling with schizophrenia. My dad had died. I was out on my own at the age of 15 trying to figure it out. And she offered to be a mother for me. And I said, yes, I'll take you up on the offer. And Aline Halleck became this godly presence in my life. She lived to see my wife and I married. She lived into her late 90s. I had a mom, and I have another mom, in a way, through my dad's second wife. I'm telling you right now that Aline Halleck's at the top of the list in my mind, right up there with my mother. She had no children, but she was a mother in Israel. Let's raise our hands, and let's commend the ladies in our midst who didn't have children, but are mighty mothers in Israel nonetheless. We affirm you today. So Hannah carried her grief to God at the sanctuary in Shiloh, and she poured her heart out to God of heaven. And the great God of heaven heard her prayer given with many tears, and God gave Hannah a little boy, and she named him Samuel, which means God hears. Hannah prayed this humble prayer of a mighty mama of gracious content, recorded in 1 Samuel 1, 10, 11. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Here's what it says. And she vowed a vow and said, This is one of the great prayers in Scripture. O Lord of hosts. Now what does that mean? It means the God of children. The God of intelligent beings. The Lord of hosts. It's a designation given to the pre-existent Jesus Christ in Isaiah 44, 6, who shares the name of Yahweh with his father, the king of Israel, Lord of hosts. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but will give to thy maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. I like that part. My hair needs to be cut. I'm putting it off. Here's a biblical reason why I can, you know. A Nazarite, of course, committed to God, didn't cut his hair. Hannah gave Samuel as a little boy to be a priest to God, and Samuel learned to offer up incense in the sanctuary when he was a child. Children can pray, lead, teach, and lead others to God. Samuel was the proof of this. Samuel was the noblest and best of all the judges that judged Israel. And she gave him to the Lord as a child for all his days. Samuel anointed Saul king and Samuel anointed David king to take his place. And he is the last of the judges. He's the transition from the rough and rugged times of the judges to the stable times of the kings. 
Samuel is considered to be one of the mightiest men for God in the whole of Bible history. And yet he had a mother that was mighty in her prayers that made it so. And Samuel, this mighty man of God, I would like to say was only mighty because he had a mighty mama full of grace who prayed to God to give him to God all of his days. I mean, it's an awesome thing. So I'd speak to you, would that mighty mamas today, full of grace, would do the same thing on their knees with their children? Mothers in Israel, get on your knees, pray for your kids. Give your children to God every day of their life on your knees. Number four, the fourth mighty mama. Now, if I had to ask you to guess, who do you think it is? It's Mary. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. I wait for the greatest last. The fourth mighty mama for God is found in the New Testament. Her name is Mary. Mary is the mother of Jesus Christ because Mary loved God. She was great in the eyes of God. She grew up in Nazareth where it was said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? She came out of Nazareth. She lived there. And so did Jesus. These two good influences for the world came out of Nazareth. Mary was called of God as a young teenage girl to become the mother of the Messiah in her teens, probably 15-ish. Jesus' mother was named Mary. Her name in Hebrew means my bitterness. Her life was not an easy one. It was a hard life, and she lived to see her son crucified, to see her son go through the hells of final judgment in his head for every human being from Adam to the end. That is why she was called Mary, my bitterness. A sword shall pierce your side also, the prophecy said, and it did. Now Mary grew up in a place that was decadent, and she didn't go down that wicked road as she chose to live for God where she was at. Nazareth was her home, that's where she lived. Mary became a teenage wife early in life, as I said, to fill the place of Joseph's void, who had lost his wife to death prior to her. Why? Because there were other children in the family. And this is revealed in the book, The Desire of Ages. Joseph had children, and through her, Joseph hoped to have more children. So a young girl can help an older man in this one way, it was thought. So what is her purpose in life? To help him have more kids. So Mary was valued for her role to complete the life of an older man by having children. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to Mary. Now think about this. Gabriel stands in the presence of God, having taken the place of Lucifer, the light bearer. He stood for centuries with the preexistent Christ, as indicated in Daniel 8, the certain one who knows the future. In the presence of God is the anointed cherubim. One was God and one was Gabriel. The preexistent Christ and Gabriel. And here is Gabriel showing up sent by God Almighty to Mary in her little room in Nazareth, where he appeared to her in her room in light, and she was terrified. Imagine that. Yeah, little Mary, and here's Gabriel, mighty man of God in Scripture. Mary was by lineage of the royal house of David, and she was a virgin, a great achievement in Nazareth. And the angel spoke directly to Mary on behalf of God. Look at Luke one twenty-eight. 
And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And as she heard this, Mary wondered, Who on earth is this big glowing guy? And what kind of greeting is from E.T.? Gabriel explained to Mary that the power of God would overshadow her. That God would create in her a baby who isn't created at all. Who is the creator. Her beautiful baby boy would be the son of God. The creator of the universe. And yet he is human too. He would sit on the throne of his father David forever. And thus humanity and God would be united in him. Mary's baby. Gabriel promised Mary that Jesus would be conceived in her by the power of almighty God. That's a heavy load to put on a teenager in a room with E.T. standing tall. Now look at Luke 1.35. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a creation at the dawn of time. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. It makes me shiver to hear this. Now Mary had a choice to make that day in her room in front of Big E.T. called Gabriel. She could submit to God's will or run from it and kick the angel out of her room because she had free moral will. Mary's looking at this big guy telling her all this. She could choose to stay or leave. That day in the presence of the angel Gabriel stands in the presence of Almighty God. Mary, the little girl, teenage girl from Nazareth that nobody liked, didn't seem to be worth much, surrendered her life to God as she became the most important mighty mama for God the world has ever known. All mothers ever after are measured by her greatness that was defined by her humility and her deep commitment to God and faith in God. The angel told Mary that with God nothing is impossible. Christ would not have been born in Mary had not Mary believed the word of God. I mean, theologians will tell you all the time what you can believe and not believe in the Bible. And friend, I want to be with Mary. I want to believe the word of God when it comes into my life. Luke 1, 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. When Mary met Elizabeth, her relative, shortly after, she proclaimed this truth in worship to God that defines the true character of a mighty mama for God. Luke 1, 46, the Magnificant. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his posterity forever. Mary proclaimed as her personal testimony That God Almighty, who is mighty, 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 has done great things for me, for holy is his name. The mighty mama for God knew God inside. She knew that he is mighty in mercy, mighty in power, mighty in love. He's humble, and thus he must be exalted by those who are humble. And thus God, who is mighty, saves Israel. Because God had regard for Mary, Mary knew that God remembers his people. And that God visits them with life, protection, grace, and love at just the right time. 
to save his beautiful children for his glory. Mothers in Israel, be satisfied with nothing less than the truth, the high and noble calling of God for you. You are the mighty mamas of beautiful children. You are mighty mamas in the church for children of faith if you have no children. Do not allow the enemy to convince you otherwise. It is your calling. Purpose in your heart of love with a whole heart devotion to God and Jesus that you'll be a mighty mama for God and for your children and for those in need in the church as light in the world so Jesus can come again. Dear Father God, as we lean on the everlasting arms, we were first held in our mother's arms. And the eyes of love we saw when we imprinted on our mother really is just a little token of the love you have. We must imprint on you. Bless every mother today. May they feel affirmed and loved in this place, Lord. May they realize that whether their road is easy or hard, because every mother's road is hard, really, that God is with them. He has not turned aside from their commitment to love their children, whether they're doing good or not. Lord, save our kids. That's what mothers are praying every day who love you. Save our kids. Help the children to hear that prayer. Mama prays for me to be saved. And may they know, O Father God, that you're praying that prayer in Jesus' intercession in the heavenly sanctuary. Save our kids. And make our Mother's Day really good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that is all the time we have, and it will conclude Mighty Mama. That is the name of today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Look for it online at reachingyourheart.com. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.